You are listening to audio messages from Sunday mornings at Horizon. It is our hope and desire that this podcast would be a useful tool in your growth and in your walk with Christ. If you've not yet subscribed to our various channels, make sure you do so in order to stay up to date with the most current messages. More information about Horizon, as well as notes for this message, can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Amen. Good morning, Horizon. Good morning. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad you're joining us. And uh, my name is Stephen Olson. Uh, so excited to be your campus pastor in Lodi. I truly am. I'm excited to be here in Galt. And normally when you see me in Galt, you see my wife and I, Francine and I, and we're leading you in a time of worship to prepare our hearts for the word of God. Amen. This morning, I have the privilege of actually opening the word of God with you and and we'll learn together. Our scripture this week is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. But before we get into that, I want to review last week. Now, last week, uh, Pastor Tim, he started with this main idea of we've, we've started this series in 2 Timothy, and that is the main idea is hold it high, guard it well, and pass it on. Hold it high, guard it well, and pass it on. This week has a lot to do with guarding it well. And last week, Pastor Tim taught us about vessels of honor versus vessels of dishonor. And the action step at the end of your notes, you were supposed to ask yourself, am I a vessel of honor or dishonor? It's a legitimate question. Pastor Tim concluded the message with the very end of the second chapter in which uh, the believers uh, who oppose the truth this is, this is going to be hard this week. The believers who oppose the truth, the apostle Paul told Timothy to be gentle with them, for we want God to grant them repentance unto the knowledge of the truth. Amen? So we, we ended up last week with repentance leads to a knowledge of the truth. And the reason why that's so important is because... Paul concludes the second chapter that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Not will take them captive, has already taken them captive. So it's, it's a very, very powerful message. And then Paul turns the corner and we get into chapter three and I want us to I want us to read that, but before I, last week I attended the first staff outing, and it was pretty cool. It was miniature golf, but we had lunch, and at lunch they asked me some questions, and uh, I started to talk about my boys, and I described all three of them as being protectors, just as I, their father, am a protector. And to give you uh, an example, recently, Francine and I went to Costco in Lodi, and our son, our youngest son, Jordan, on the far right, he met us there in a different car, and and we did our thing at Costco. And afterwards, he said, I'm going to go see a friend. And I remember giving him a hug and uh, warning him, drive safe. Drive safe, pay attention to all the drivers, 
we live in Stockton, so I don't know if it's different. All the drivers that run the red lights, that go too fast, or flipping cars, causing accidents, injuries, and deaths. And so I remember giving him a hug and just warning him. I want you to remember that because the Apostle Paul is like a spiritual father to Timothy. It's like his spiritual son. And what he's doing in this, in this scripture that we're about to read, he's warning him. And it's not just warning the church, it's warning church leaders, it's, it's warning pastors. And so I'm going to read that now, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janess and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men opposed the truth, men of depraved minds, who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, now that your presence would be in this place. Holy Spirit, teach us. May your spirit minister to the deepest part of our spirit. Lord, teach us, give us understanding. Open our eyes as we read your word. Open our ears as we hear your word being read. Lord, we ask that you transform us from the inside out. This message is so important. We ask, Lord, that you minister to every single one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, this is a heavy text, but we're gonna break it up. 2 Timothy, the very first verse, I was taught when studying scripture, when it starts with but, you always have to pay attention what follows the but. So Paul says, but mark this, and he uses the verb ginosko. It appears in the present tense, which is literally translated, you keep on knowing this. I would say it today, but keep this in mind. But keep this in mind. It's an ongoing present verb. So he just talked about repentance leads to a knowledge of truth. And the reason why we need to get there is to avoid the snare of the devil. And he said, but mark this. So it has to do with that. And remember, there's no chapter and verses in his original letter. It just is ongoing. This is where it happens to be uh, divided into the third chapter. But he keeps on going from the last thought he had. There will be terrible times. 
The Greek word shalapos is used only one other time in the New Testament describing the two demonized men living among the tombs near Gadara. And we have an example of that in Matthew 8, 28. When he arrived, Jesus, when Jesus arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. So violent is the verb. So when Paul says there's, there's gonna be terrible times, it's kind of soft because the verb is more violent than that. It's extreme. If you were to think of it as extremely violent, ferocious, or fierce. So Paul's saying, but mark this, keep this in mind as you do ministry, there will be fears times, and then he says, in the last days. So, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. The last days are referring to the period of time between Christ's resurrection and his coming back. That's a long period of time. So are we in the last days? We're in the last days. So he's warning Timothy for days such as today. And I've given you a couple examples. In the last days, 2 Peter 3.3, 3, in your notes, uh, there's a typo. It's, it says 2 Peter 4.3. It's actually 3.3. 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. The next example comes out of Jude one eighteen. In the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, and listen, do not have the spirit, and do not have the spirit. Do you believe we're seeing an increase or decrease of evil today? That's not difficult, right? Just in case, let's look at scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 13 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So there it is. Not very cheerful, I know but it's a condition nevertheless. It's getting worse. So let's keep reading. 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 4, Paul describes these people. People will be lovers themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now here's the important thing. Paul's talking about the church. He's talking to Timothy about, keep this in mind, as you do ministry, these people, these evil men, these imposters, will infiltrate the church. I gave an example of your notes uh, of Romans 1, 28 through 32, and you tell me if there's any similarities. 
Paul says to the, to the church in Rome, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, that's important because they knew they had the knowledge of God, the knowledge of truth. But since they chose not to retain it, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways to do evil. Greed, depravity, they're full of envy, murder, and strife. They disobey their parents. They're senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And although they know God's righteous decree, there it is again, although they know what is right, that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So whether the, the church in Rome or Ephesus, Paul's warning Timothy about the people in the church. Verse five, with them, all of those people that he mentioned in context, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. This word form in the Greek, it means shape or shadow or silhouette or an outline. Whew, I gotta take a break. That's heavy stuff, isn't it? But so important that Paul would read or Paul would write and intending us to learn I want to remind us of a, of a scripture in the very beginning of 2 Timothy. In the very first, in the very first chapter. I don't have it up for you on the screen. He did not give us a, a spirit of fear. So we hear that, it's like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Well, he didn't give us a spirit of fear. What we do is we pursue the Lord. So what I wanna do is I wanna focus now on godliness because he just said, these people are taking a form, a silhouette, an outline. They look like they're godly, but they have no power. They've denied the power. So when you see a shadow of a person, you see their outline. You can look godly, but there is no substance. You can have the appearance of godliness, but it's not real. You can look the part. So I'm a PK. I'm a pastor's kid. I've been in church all my life. I know what it's like to look the part. I've had to do it. I, at least I felt like I had to do it because there was such an expectation. So I learned very quickly, what do I say? What do I do? How do I look? How do I act? So that people wouldn't complain about me, the pastor's kid, right? That's just, that's just the way it is. But I know about what goes into this, that form of godliness you know as religion. 
And that's what I soon found, the spirit of religion, the, the, the spirit of taking the form of someone or something godly, but it not being the truth. Religion gives the impression of something related to God that, that, um, that, we, that looks the part. I can sound the part by speaking, we used to call it Christianese. I don't know what they call it now, but it just all the right verbiage, um, the right sounding words. Some people, uh, you know, carry around a Bible and that makes them look religious. Some people hang out with Christian people so that people will say, oh, well, their group of friends are Christians, so they're Christian too. And all, we see all this in the church, don't we? I have certainly for many, many years. Um, so let me ask you this. How do you know if you're just looking the part? Have you sat there and asked yourself that? How do I know I'm just looking the part today? Well, if you're not godly, uh, then there's no power. If you think you're godly and you have no power, then that's ungodliness. And so I wanna talk a little bit about that power. Spurgeon says this, let me give you a word of admonition. Learn from the text that there is something in godliness worth the having. The form of godliness is not all. There is a blessed power. The Holy Ghost is that power. And he can work in you to will and to do of God's good pleasure. The power of godliness is God himself the Holy Spirit. That's how you know. He was talking about imposters. He was describing imposters who are in the church taking the shape of godliness, but deny the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit. And that's important to understand. I remember in a church when I was a young man, Francine and I were married. We were in our 20s. And I remember uh, there being a woman that um, wanted to know what the anointing of God feels, felt like, okay? They wanted, she wanted the anointing of God. So what she did is began spending time with people who had the anointing, hoping that the anointing would jump on her. It's really not too far off. That's kind of how people think today. It's the same way but you have to work for that anointing, amen? Not, not so much as works, but you have to spend time with the Lord. You have to spend time with the Holy Spirit. So yeah, I remember that. That was, that was in you. So what is godliness? Godliness is a lifestyle that consistently reflects the character of God. Does your life consistently reflect the character of God? It's a legitimate question. You, can re you cannot reflect the character of God without the Holy Spirit. We've established that. You cannot reflect the character of God and disagree with him. If you're sitting here thinking, I agree with some of the Bible, but not all of it, you've made yourself an idol. You've made yourself a judge to God, telling him he's wrong and you're right. You're the idol. There are people like that in church. I know, not this service. He's my master. He's my commander. He's my shepherd. 
when my, I have a heart of gratitude, I want to reflect the character of God in my life. It is the natural response when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, the natural response, the spiritual response, I want to be more like him. Not reject the power of God. I want to fool everybody and make them think I want to be like him and not put in the work and not spend time with him. It's important. So godliness means that I'm living my life in the light of his presence. I'm living my life in the light of his presence. We read in 1 Timothy 4.8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. That's pretty important. Godliness is a big deal. I remember growing up, and it could have just been me. I remember thinking, oh, you know, godliness, I'm not a goody two-shoe. I don't know if you've ever thought that, kind of like, well, no one's perfect. I, can't, I made excuses. And then I got to the point in my walk with Jesus Christ where I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be more and more. I wanted to be transformed. And so godliness isn't about what I thought it was. It was really about pressing in. So that's why I praise God. That's why I worship him. It isn't something that I do that I just like to do. There's power in praise. There's power in worship. There's power in prayer. And that's what prayer is, pressing into him, spending time with him, talking to him, listening as you're in the word. Pastor Tim says that all the time, get in the word, be in the word, be in the word. Because the more you're in the word, the more you learn of him and the more the Holy Spirit begins to transform you so that you want to be more like him. In his presence is where we learn to be godly, but only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The godly person is obsessed with pleasing God because you're ever conscious of where he is. So living in his presence versus visiting his presence. Now, this is where I'm going to step on some of your toes, and I know it. I love you. So which one are you? Are you, are you someone who presses in to the presence of God, or are you someone that's just visiting? It's like God has visiting hours on Sundays for a lot of people. And it's true. You can't deny it. Unless you are someone who's pressing in to the presence of God every day, really Sunday is the opportunity where we get to do it together, what we've been doing individually all week. And again, are you someone who presses every day because that's what godliness is? Or are you someone who's simply visiting? Godliness is about making the time to be in his presence every day, spending time in his word, praying, worshiping. During the, during the worst times in my life, worship is where I go because it's the one place that calms my spirit. It's the one place where the spirit of God can minister to me. It's not in my own intelligence because I don't, have, I, I don't think I have anything figured out. I just lean on God's understanding and I know I'll be okay. Leaning into him is where God, is where you experience him and you become more godly. People ask me, how do I experience more of God? 
even in marriages, couples, ask Francine, how do we experience more of God? How do, how do we get there? You know, what's the answer? Spend time with him. Press into him. Seek his presence because that is, by definition, godliness. And when you do it together as a husband and wife, there's something very, very powerful that happens. And there's a uniting that takes place that can't be done by any other counseling. God brings us together, amen, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to experience more of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in your life, make time each day to be in the light of his presence. Don't just be a visitor. How was worship today? Huh? it's okay. Songs are okay. That might be a sign that you've come maybe just to visit and just didn't do it for you, so you didn't, you didn't get there. And let me tell you, it has nothing to do with you getting there. Worship massages the heart, but if your heart is hard, it can't do anything for you. But the Apostle Paul is talking about hard-hearted people who are not saved. They're void of the power of God. And we'll go on, verse 6 through 7. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with the sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. He is not talking about all women. <laughs> Some of you were thinking it. It's not just you. Um, Many people have thought that from the scripture, but this is the history and the context of why Paul wrote that. There was a specific subset of women in Ephesus who were immature, overly influenced by fads and fashions and given to idle curiosity. Listen, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth is referring to those who are always seeking the newest, latest, greatest spiritual teaching. I know people like that. Don't you know people like that? I do. I think when you do that, you leave yourself, whether or not you're a man or a woman, you leave yourself weak. If you're always looking for something new to tickle your ear because you don't like what's already been written, that's what it comes down to. Then you leave yourself susceptible for false teachers to come in and teach you all kinds of stuff that is not the truth. Not all women, amen. <laughs> amen. So we see this in the Western church, which leaves the church vulnerable to false teaching. Um, I remember years ago, there was a guy that came to church. He would, uh, the church that I was at, that he'd sit up in the balcony and he'd have a bag of CDs and he would pass them out to people. And I got a hold of one of these CDs and it was a teaching that had some truth but veered away into false teaching that was opposed to what the pastor was teaching. He not only brought it to church, he would visit the congregation at their place of work. He was all over the place. That's not, that's not uncommon. Another thing is coming in and saying, well, you know, what's written is not for the church today. We're a contemporary church. So things are changed a little bit. And so, and so, and, and just remember people that come into, they may not be saved. They may be taking a, a form, an outline of godliness, 
but denying the power of the Holy Spirit. And the scripture that we read, based on their own intelligence, they're trying to figure things out, not the word of God. And so all Paul is trying to do is warn us, be careful of those people because they're in your church now. Not they will be, they're in our church. Again, God did not give us a spirit of fear, amen? Or timidity, that we are to charge forward. That's why I love what Pastor Tim teaches every week, unapologetically, the truth in the scripture. Not everybody likes it. I do. I want to be more like God. And so if that means that the word of God is different than something that I think, guess what? I changed my thinking immediately. And that's part of how you study the Bible. So they wormed their way and manipulated them, verse eight and nine, just as Janes and Jambros opposed Moses, so also these men opposed the truth. Men of depraved minds who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected, but they will not get very far because as the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. So Paul gives us an example. Janes and Jambros were the two magicians that Pharaoh had when Moses and Pharaoh were going at it. And so these two magicians or imposters really is another way of translating that word threw their sticks down. You remember the sticks turned into snakes, but then Moses took his rod, threw it down. And what did his snake do? He ate those snakes. Basically true power, God's power. So I don't know if they did it by illusion or satanic power, but either which way, however you want to look at that scripture, God's power won. And like in the same way, Paul is saying that the real power of God opposes uh, and opposed the truth of what Janice and Jambros were doing. They threw their sticks down, the snake, uh, Moses' snake gobbled it up and established great power. These imposters are in the church and will be rejected and will not get very far and will, and, and will be clear to everyone. They're gonna be found out. That's the thing. When you do that and oppose God, the truth of it is that all we have to do is stay the course, amen? That's why I come back to godliness. And the question is, does your lifestyle consistently reflect the character of God? Or are you just a visitor of God's presence? So what's the big idea? What is, what is the meaning behind this scripture? This is what I think. Paul is warning Timothy, the church, church leaders, and pastor. Do you get that? Have you been warned? Do you understand what the scriptures are saying and that we, we are not to operate out of fear, but in the power of the Holy Spirit? And we do what God has called us to do through godliness and God will work the rest out, amen? All right. The second idea, you have to know that godliness, you have to know what godliness is in order to recognize what Paul is warning about. Godliness is a lifestyle that consistently reflects the character of God. Godliness means that I am living my life in the light of his presence. Are you pressing are you pressing into him? Not just on Sunday or maybe Wednesday, but every day. 
Or are you thinking that one time is enough? Oh, I feel good, refreshed, I can go back to work. I can allow the media and social media and all of these things all week long to program my mind while I'm not pressing in to the word of God. You just might be a visitor if that describes you. And then thirdly, how do we obtain godliness? Starts with repenting unto salvation, having the Holy Spirit in us, the power of God. Without him, you may be just a form of godliness. That's scary to me. That's why the scripture hurt. It hurts my heart. Maybe you need to recommit your life. Maybe, maybe you think you're saved and you're not. Let me just say that. That's a hard one. But the truth is, is not everybody's saved that comes to church. You know that, right? Some people are working it out and that's okay. But how do you become godly? It starts with repentance. And through repentance, salvation. And when salvation takes place, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and gives us power. Amen? Praise God. Maybe you're here and you need to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe this message is convicting to you. Maybe you're saying, wait a minute. I need to make an about face. That's what, print, uh, that's what repentance is. Turning around, going the opposite direction of the things that you're doing that are not of God. Ways that we're living, we make excuses for. Like those men in the scriptures, they do evil and they encourage other people to do it with them. And they say, that's okay, it's okay, it's okay. If you're someone that thinks your individual right trumps biblical truth, you might not be saved. I don't know. Because this, this book does not teach about your individual right. It's all about God. It's all about his glory. It's all about, uh, about us being godly and bringing him glory, giving him glory, spending time with him. It's not about me. It's not about you. So if you're someone who's been swayed by the news and the media, and you're like, that, that, that's my right, that's me. That's... You just might be a visitor to the presence of God. You may not be spending enough time with him. Maybe you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind through God's word. And I can say the same of me. I can remember times in my life in which I thought I knew something and I didn't. The word of God will bring you right back to the beginning, amen? Always you'll be humbled and it'll, just, it'll be a washing clean. And I'm actually excited for those that are listening and wanna recommit their life to Jesus Christ, committed to spending more time in his word, praising God, worshiping him, spending time with him, and prayer. So those are the big ideas. I put on your notes, the action steps, repentance, salvation, and to ask yourself whether or not you've been a visitor. It's okay. It's okay. Make an about face. Make a decision today that you're all in. You're here to stay. You know, visitors can come and they can leave. 
when you're a visitor, you don't have to stay, you don't have to commit. But when you're here in commitment, you're no longer saying, you're no longer saying, I have the option, I can just leave. Watch your life become more godly every day, every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this scripture. It's the kind of scripture that's heart disheartening. It, it hurts my heart. But I thank you, Jesus, for the warning. I thank you for the Apostle Paul warning Timothy for all of our benefits to know what the truth is. That there are imposters among us, Lord, and and your word teaches us that we have to handle that gently because we want you to grant the repentance that leads to the knowledge of the truth, a repentance that leads to salvation so that we're not caught up in the snares, the schemes of the evil one who wants to control us right now. So Lord, we thank you for your word. I thank you for pointing out that you want to spend more time with us. And in, in doing so, we become godly in which your word says we have an, a reward here on earth as well as a reward in heaven. Lord, again, I pray, Holy Spirit, as we leave, as we go into tomorrow, that you would continue to speak this truth in our heart and to remind us to ask ourselves, are we just visiting you, Lord? Or do, are we all in? Are we all in this? And Lord, I thank you for the opportunities we have as a church. If you wanna worship more, there's, there's ways to do that. If you wanna praise God more, and God, we just thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that you've laid out before us. Lord, I pray every single one of us step in obedience to pressing in to you through your word, through prayer, and we thank you in advance for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.